I want to welcome everyone, those of you that are be viewing by YouTube. We're so glad to have you today, and uh, we pray that the Word of God preached will will be a blessing to you and would edify you and uh, and help you today. Because I want you to know there's always hope and there's help at the house of God. Amen. And we want to encourage you to come to the house of God. The, the videos and things, those were never meant to be a substitute. They were only there to supplement what you should be getting at your church. But we're glad to have you today and glad to have the rest of you as well. If you would, open your Bibles with me today in the Word of God to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, I want to kind of pick up a little bit where we left off from last Sunday morning. We talked about that, that prepositional phrase that said, in Christ, in Christ. I know when you were in school, you didn't think that grammar mattered. Uh, at least when I was in school, I didn't think it mattered. Uh, not knowing that, uh, that I would have to take apart sentences and things like that. I, I used to like to diagram sentences. How many of y'all remember doing that? Do they even teach that anymore in school? Di did you, Victoria, do you have to diagram sentences in school? Do you know what that is? You got a little ruler and you pull, here's the, here's the noun, which is the subject, and then you got the verb and there's a little line, and then you got adjectives that go, do you, have, do you get to do that still? Well, good on, good on Nimitz Elementary that they're still teaching that. And uh, some of you, you, you must have been absent that day, right? And, uh, but grammar matters. Punctuation matters. And remember we said, I, I read from part of this, the longest sentence in the Bible. The longest sentence. And, uh, and I want you to see this. So let's begin, let's begin reading in verse 3. And uh, this is part two in our topic of in Christ. And Lord willing, we'll have one more uh, next week. But notice what it says. Verse three, Ephesians chapter one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. We sang about that today, amen? Grace that's greater than all our sin, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. You know, when the Lord decides to do something, he doesn't have to ask anybody else about it. He doesn't take counsel from anybody else. He just purposes and then he does it. And look with me in verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. And here's our verse. In whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. And I will stop it right there. But I, last week I spoke to you about being in him as it concerned our redemption. Notice what it said in verse seven, in whom, that's a reference to the Lord Jesus, 
in whom we have redemption. And now in verse 11, notice what it says, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. Our inheritance as believers. Man, you know, maybe your mom and dad didn't leave you anything, but I'll guarantee you that's not the way that God works. Amen? We have an inheritance, an inheritance that we are to enjoy in part now and that which we are to look forward to in the future. Let's pray one more time. Father, I pray, Lord, that you take these words. Help me and use me today, Lord, to deliver your message, dear God, to these dear saints and Lord, to those that are here with us today, Lord, that may not know you, Father. And I just ask, God, that your will would be done today. Speak to every heart, Lord. It is my prayer that we might enjoy these things and be edified today through what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, let me remind you, over 130 times in the New Testament, the phrase, in him or its equivalence, of in Christ, in whom, and so forth, is mentioned in the New Testament. Some 14 times alone in this very first chapter of Ephesians, there was a, a man that wrote a book, and he called it The Wealth, The Walk, and The Warfare of the Believer. And right now, we're focusing on the wealth that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. And so, you know, for, for that to be in here this many times, I'll say again, it's no accident that it's that way. It was done intentionally and it was done by design that we might see the, the necessity and all that is wrapped up in that little phrase of being in him. It's the key to the New Testament. You see, outside of him, without him, we are, we are spiritually dead, morally bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt, without hope. And without God in this world, we are aliens from the covenants of promise. We have none of the things that God has promised to those who have trusted him. And so, but when we are in Christ, when we do get saved, man, we're made alive. We're called saints in the Bible, and we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And Adrian Rogers said there are two classes of people in the world, the saints and the ain'ts. And uh, it's either one or the other. Either you are in Christ or you're not. And, uh, and we know that we only get there by grace through faith. And so there's a big difference in those things, being in Christ or not being in Christ. There, there are differences in the matter of position. There's differences in the matter of possessions. And certainly future prospects are at stake. And so this morning, my prayer has been that the Holy Spirit would help me today that you might discover uh, uh, the treasures that you and I have in the Lord Jesus Christ because the Word of God says that they are the unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable what you have. So let's look at the first thing about it. I want you to see, number one, it is a spiritual inheritance. And you say, boy, I wish he'd have left me money. Well, you know what? Money is not what mankind needed. You know, most people, they say, well, I always need more, need more. You know what? If we really had more, we'd spend it probably and manage it just as poorly as we manage what we've got right now. Amen. You know that's so. Amen. And, uh, and so sometimes it's not about having more. It's about what you do with what you got. But God knew that man, didn't, that, that man did not need some sort of earthly uh, possession, if you will, in that sense. But I want you to see this. Look back there with me in verse 3. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us, now notice the word, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. 
I want you to see that this was planned by the Father. It was purchased by the Son, and it is forever preserved by the Holy Spirit of God. Forever preserved what we have in our inheritance. And spiritual blessings are, are just what we needed. One of those one of those things that our inheritance is, is that we have been reconciled, reconciled. Man, that, that is a word that speaks about relationships. And what that tells me is in that reconciliation, the enmity is gone. You know, have you ever heard about couples that have some problems? They finally come with their hats in their hands or whatever. They apologize to each other and they get what? They get reconciled. They're no longer adversaries. Now they're back together as one. And that's what happened between God and man when the Lord Jesus Christ died in our place, suffered our punishment, took the penalty of sin that we wouldn't have to. Amen. And when we place our faith and trust in him, then we are reconciled to God. The enmity is God. We're no longer considered ungodly. We're no longer considered enemies of the cross and enemies of God. Money can't do that. Having a big bank account can't do that. And you know what? We just saw the last in the last couple of weeks. Just having a big bank account doesn't mean you're really safe from anything, does it? Man, they lost all that money in a split second, didn't they? Yes, they did. Uh, you know, it's vain to trust in riches. Amen. They do take themselves wings. So reconciliation speaks of forgiveness. That's something that only comes a certain way. That's not something that can be purchased materially. It comes. It also speaks of life eternal. You can't get life eternal any other way than through Jesus Christ. The Bible says in the book of Acts in chapter 4, there's no other name uh, given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Listen, it's not in a cup. It's not in a wafer. It's not in a baptism. It's not in speaking in some ecstatic tongue. It's not by working your way there. It's none of those things. It's very narrow. That's why the Lord Jesus said, you better come in by the straight gate. Because he said, narrow is the way. And, and you know what the sad part is? He said, and few there be that go in there at. Few. Reconciliation is a wonderful thing. Forgiveness, life eternal, and sonship. It speaks of a healed relationship. It also speaks about banking. You know, they called them bank reconciliation uh, statements. I used to work in an accounting office. It took every bit of the grace of God, but I was glad to have the job. And, uh, and I would have to journalize these things that would come in, and I would have to reconcile their bank statements. What are you doing? What you're saying is you're balancing the books. And that's what exactly happens when you do that, when you're balancing the books. And so the books agree. <laughs> when we get reconciled to God, man, we no longer have this long list of things. The scripture says in the book of Colossians that he took those things, the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, that were contrary to this. He nailed them to his cross and took them out of the way. They're gone. Why? Now the books have been settled. Amen. I'm not in debt anymore to the Lord in the sense of I have a sin debt. You know, there's a song that says, you know, that, that, uh, that we owed a debt that we could not pay and he paid the debt that he did not owe. Why? To settle that thing for us. And so these are spiritual blessings, beloved, that money can't buy, the government can't bestow, you can't inherit any other way, but we do have a spiritual inheritance. Well, listen, you say, well, man, I, I, if I can't see it, I can't touch it, it must not be so. Well, man, friend, you know, that's just the hardness of your heart. You say, that sounds so simple. Again, that just has to do with the hardness of your heart. Think about this. The Bible says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, whether in, in heaven and in earth, visible and 
invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. That's Colossians 1.16. Whether things visible or invisible, just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's imaginary. I don't have, you know, it's fine to have an imagination when you're little or whatever. And I'm not running on my imagination. I'm running on the facts according to the word of God. You say, well, how do you know it's so? I got God's word on it. Yes, sir. And that's enough. Amen. That's enough. And, uh, and you know, because the, the, the preaching of the word, it, it either draws people or it drives them eventually is what happens. And so we have this spiritual reconciliation. We have this spiritual inheritance. I want you to see it. Let's look, look at the details. Look in chapter 2 with me. You're right there. Let's go one chapter to your right. Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to see, look in verse 4, what it says. If you're not opposed to marking in your Bible, you ought, to, you ought to underline these little phrases. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith I want you to see, first of all, in our reconciliation in this inheritance, he loved us. He loved us even when we were dead in sins. Now watch, hath quickened us. That means to be made alive, made alive. I don't know about you, but man, when we got saved, the scales came off our eyes. We could see things as they were. And we just were beginning our journey. And there was some excitement. There was some joy. There was blessings and just knowing we'd been forgiven. And that my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That had been a question I had. How do you get your name in that book? And when I got saved, I later on learned that my name went in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if you've been saved by the grace of God, that's where your name is. And it's written with indelible ink. That, do you know what that means? Indelible. It's one of the 25 cent words that no one can erase it away. Amen. Amen. It's a spiritual inheritance. He loved us. He quickened us. Look at verse 6. And hath raised us up together. What is that? Raised us up together. You know what that is? Together with who? With the Lord Jesus. When, when, he got, when the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead and the Spirit of God came, when we got saved, He came to live inside of us and we have that resurrected Christ on the inside of us. He's raised us together. Raised us together. And no one can take that away from you. And then he's going to show his kindness towards us. Look there in verse 7. That in the ages to come. In ages to come. He might show the exceeding riches of his grace. In his kindness toward us. Through Christ Jesus. In the ages to come. There is so much more. That's, that's, why, that's, why, the, that, that's why one of the writers said. I hath not seen. Neither hath ear, either, neither hath ear heard. Nor uh, well, I'm going to I'm going to get it right. I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered in the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. You know what? In other words, you know, down here while we're waiting on this, the rest of this inheritance. Listen, you haven't seen anything yet. You haven't heard anything yet. You haven't felt anything yet. Hey, because it's on its way. It's coming. Amen. These things are ours. You just can't imagine what it's going to be like. People say, man, what are, you, what are you going to do now? Man, people talk about, what are you going to do now? They win the Super Bowl. They just say, I'm going to Disney World. That's a, that's a fairy tale. That, that's just a story. Man, we're going to the glory land. That's where we're going. I got God's word on it. And so do you. You have God's word on it. I want you to see this. Think about it. Go... Turn right in your Bible. Go to the book of Colossians with me. Stay with me this morning. If you haven't read your Bible, I'm going to help you, all right? 
Colossians chapter 1, look at, look at me in verse 11. Colossians chapter 1, look in verse 11. I want you to see what you have. You need to know what you have. Look at verse 12. Colossians chapter 1, look in verse, look in verse 11. It says, Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. He's given us those things. He's given us the ability to be strengthened like that, to be long-suffering and joyful, not sad-faced, long-faced, depressed. Now watch. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet. That word meet there means to be fit, to be suitable. He has made us. He has equipped us. He has changed us. Listen, when you got saved, you got a new standing, you got a new state, you got a new nature, you got so many things new. And he did that. He has made us fit. Look at verse 13. Who hath delivered us from where? From the power of darkness. Listen, beloved, you and I don't have to answer the claims of the flesh. The power of the Holy Spirit lives on the inside. You and I have a choice. Some words that we ought to know, we ought to be very familiar with. We ought to know some things. We ought to reckon some things. And we ought to yield some things. And God has given us this ability so that sin would not have dominion over us anymore. We didn't have a choice before. We were by nature that way. But now we got a new nature. And he has made us and he has delivered us. Now look at this. And look at the latter part of verse 13. And hath translated us. Man, that's what happened to Enoch. He was translated. That's what happened. That's what happened when Elijah went up in that fiery chair. He was translated that day. And one day, he really is that day, that song we sang, brother, what a day that's going to be. One day that's going to happen. It is going to happen. We have a spiritual inheritance that money can't buy. Listen, the Bible, you know, the Bible says this, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Listen to me, money can't buy happiness, beloved. Money can't buy holiness and money can't buy a home in heaven. Listen, I never knew anybody that took it with them when they died. There are no U-Hauls. I've preached a lot of funerals and I've buried a lot of caskets, some this big, little ones, and some that big. Amen, I've done them both. And in neither case have I ever seen a U-Haul on there or a trailer hitch or anything else of value go down in there because you cannot take it with you when you go. And it's not enough to get you there. You know, the love of money, the Bible says, is the root of all evil. While some coveted after, it didn't say that money is evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's 1 Timothy 6 and verse 10. They have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Because you know the eyes of man are never satisfied. No matter what they get, it's never enough. You know, I don't know if this stuff is true in Washington and what's going on, but I, I just know this. I, there's a lot of people that go to Washington, don't have very much. They all, they all got help from somebody else. And when they come out, man, they are fat. Because yeah. yeah, it's never enough. And I'm not talking about their body mass. I'm talking about their wallets and their purses. That won't get them there. That won't get him there. Do you remember the rich man and Lazarus? 
He fared sumptuously every day. He had it all while he was here. And Lazarus, he was so bad off that the dogs, it says, moreover, the dog, people, you say that's what the dog's name was, moreover. <laughs> moreover, the dog came and licked his sores. He was so pathetic, he couldn't even keep the dog from doing that. But when Lazarus died, man, he was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And when that rich man died, he lifted up his eyes in hell. And he was very much awake. That's not a parable, beloved. That was a, two real men, Lazarus and the rich man. And the rich man lived and fared sumptuously every day. But he had never placed faith in God. He had never trusted God. Money won't get you there. Listen, it's a spiritual inheritance, a spiritual, because that's what we needed. We needed the redemption. We needed the reconciliation. We needed those things because nothing else was going to supply that. Let me give you the second thing. I want you to see not only is it spiritual, but I want you to see it steadfast. Go with me to the book of Peter. First Peter, look with me, please. Turn right in your Bible. First Peter, you got Hebrews, James, and then comes the book of Peter. First Peter, look in chapter one with me. Let's read this together. I'm telling you, we've got riches, beloved. We've got riches. Listen, if we only have hope in this life, we are of all men most miserable. Gosh, you know, we, what we say sometimes in fun, we say, man, I got all this in heaven too. I got all the things that go with it. And I'm not going to be interested in walls of jasper and gates of pearl and, a, and streets of gold. You know, God, you know what God thinks about gold? He thought so little about it. He's going to pave the streets of heaven with gold just to show you that it really ain't worth all that much. But men have lived for it, died for it, stole for it, cheated for it, done all kinds of things to have it. Look at 1 Peter with me. Look in chapter 1, look at verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why? Because the Lord Jesus got up. That meant that God was satisfied with his sacrifice. That means that everyone that placed their faith and trust in Christ, we're going to get up one day. Hey. And what a blessing. We've got God's word on it because his son was raised. You and I that have trusted Christ as our Savior, we're going to be raised. We're going to be raised. Yes. You say, how do you know that? Because I'm in the will. Amen. 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 I'm in the will. Yes. Look at verse 4. To an inheritance. Now watch. To an inheritance. There's that word. To an inheritance. Incorruptible. And undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Reserved. I want you to know, first of all, it's resistant. Resistant to what? It's where moth and rust and thieves are not going to break through. They can't get it. Brother, there'll be no stolen dump trucks. Amen. In heaven. He, he told us about today. He lent somebody. A, a, so, well, he didn't lend it. It turned out that way. Somebody worked for him. And uh, he was doing a good job after about three weeks. And one day he just showed up. And then he took his dump truck and took it to another state. And then Brother Mel's never gotten it back. He still got that dump truck somewhere. That's not going to happen in heaven. Moth and rust and where thieves don't break through. Amen. It's incorruptible. It's not subject to death or decay. It's undefiled. It's unsoiled and pure what we have. And the scripture says it fadeth not away. It is beyond the reach of change. Do you know even the investments that we have, they are subject to change. Today you could have you could have X number of dollars in some 401k and the stock market take a dive like it's done in the past and it probably will again and so forth. What some of that stuff that maybe was worth two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, it now might only be worth twenty thousand dollars in just one day on the stock market. 
you know, gold and silver that people had. You know, there was a time when gold, I, I remember how about gold when it was $35 an ounce. I wish I'd have bought some then. I was a little boy. I was a little boy. I didn't have the wherewithal. I wished I would have. But you know, it's, it's up around some $1,900, $2,000 an ounce now. But you know what? There's no, no guarantee it'll ever stay that way. That and silver. These things are reserved. They are beyond the reach of change. And the emotions of men and the bad investments of men can't change our inheritance. Not one iota. Not one little bit. It's steadfast, beloved. It's resistant and it is reserved. Reserved for who? Only the redeemed have a reservation. Only the redeemed. Their names are written in the book of life. And notice what it says. Keep, now look at verse 5 with me. Look at it. Look at it. If you don't underline it, if you don't see this important, it says, who are reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last times. It, it is ready to be revealed. It's reserved. It's, we're kept by the power of God. We are protected by the power of God. No one can change your status. No one, not even you. You can't do it. It's a part of the inheritance that we have. Kept by the power of God and it was assigned to you. It was assigned. Do you remember the verse I said? It said, in whom we have obtained an inheritance. That word obtained means to be assigned. To be assigned that God, when he was portioning out in that will, he portioned out something just for you, Brother Ed, just for you, Brother Julio, just for you, Brother Mel. And ladies, if you've been saved just for you and for you and for me and for my wife, I mean, just for us. Because he knows what we need and have need of. It's been reserved. It's been reserved. And no lawyer, no sharp-tongued lawyer, no, no, none of that stuff has any impact on what God has set aside for us. Man. No wonder he said the unsearchable riches. Unsearchable riches. Listen, beloved. We have something that the world only they don't even dream about this. They don't even dream about it. We, it is a spiritual inheritance. It is a steadfast. It's not going anywhere. It's not dependent on what men do. It's all dependent on God who ever liveth. Amen. He liveth forevermore. And then I want you to see the last thing with me. I want you to see that it is a super abundant inheritance. Go back with me to... to the book of Ephesians. Would you do that? Go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Turn left in your Bible. Ephesians chapter 1. It is super abundant. Man, I was trying to find a word that would try to describe and I said, I'm just going to put this in here, super abundant. And sure enough, it stayed. I didn't have, it wasn't misspelled. That really is a word. I didn't make it up. I almost thought about using that supercalifragilisticexpialidocious word, but I didn't know how to spell that. Amen. And I wasn't sure if that would fit on my paper or not. I just know that it is super abundant. You say, how do you know that? I, got the, I have God's word on it. I'm glad you asked. It is super abundant. Listen, listen. Do you remember this passage from John 10 and verse 10? Listen to this, John 10, verse 10. Don't turn there. But it says, Jesus was speaking. He said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Amen. 
He wasn't talking just about the life here, but he's also talking about the life to come. It is, we have a super abundant, super when, you know, you've got super means it's above. That's what super means. And, uh, and you understand, let's so like a hypodermic, you know, like words like that, hypodermic, you know what that means? Hypo means under. Dermic is your skin. So when you get a shot, that's done with a hypodermic needle. Something that would be outside would be superdermic. That would be above or outside your skin. But we have a superabundant inheritance. Superabundant. Look at this. The word of God says in the book of Proverbs, it says in Proverbs 19 that, that house and riches are the inheritance of fathers. Now, I don't know if you've ever inherited anything or not, but uh, I, I believe I know that some of you have, but I know this, an inheritance, no matter who has it, before uh, an inheritance is always limited to the assets and the assignments of said assets by the benefactor, aren't they? It always, in other words, uh, you know, benefactors, they can't give away what they don't have. You know, they can't be driving along and say, man, you know what, uh, to say my grandson, you know, John, uh, man, I, I saw this piece of property over here in Kerrville. I wanted to get it for you and your sisters, but I, I just wasn't able to do it. <laughs> That's not how God is. And, uh, and so, and so the, all that depends. A house and riches are, are the inheritance of fathers. Beneficiaries are limited by what their benefactor possessed. They can't give away what they don't have. So what does our heavenly father possess? Everything. That's exactly right. You got it right. Everything. Gee, I mean, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. David said he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He does. So, so, so what Peter said, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, that we can escape the corruption in this world. In other words, he's given me everything that I need for the journey that I'm on till I reach my journey's destination, that I'm not doing without everything that I need to make this journey. Paul said this, he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Peter and Paul, boy, they was on the same page about this. They were, they were in total agreement about this. And even according to the book of Romans, as redeemed, we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Everything that Christ has is going to be in part going to be mine. Everything that Christ has if you've been saved by the grace of God, is going to be yours. We are heirs and joys. That's why I said I'm in the will. If you've been saved, you're in the will. This is what makes us family. Yes. And hey, you know, you know, you say, well, how do you know this is going to come? Because the will hadn't been read yet. Amen. It hasn't been read yet. Our future is more glorious than our past was unglorious or inglorious. Our futures, they are bright, they are steadfast, they are sure. And we are going to receive the unsearchable riches of Christ. You know, Paul wrote this to the church in Philippi. He said, for even our conversation is in heaven. That word conversation there has to do with, you know, we are dual citizens. If you've been saved by the grace of God, we're citizens of heaven as well as we are of earth. Did you know that? I had a friend, his name was Galen Dawson. I think Brother Galen's still alive, preaching. He was an old prize fighter, an old boxer, and uh, before he got saved, and, and Brother Galen, you know, 
he fill out an application for a job after he'd gotten saved. And they want to know what country he was from, where was his citizenship, and he put heaven on there. And they, they so they questioned about that. What do you mean heaven? Man, I've been saved by the grace of God, and my conversation's into heaven. I'm I'm a dual citizen. Hey, yeah. You know what? I, I got my passport. Amen. A passport allows you to leave this country, go to the next one. And what's the passport? It is the blood of Christ. It is your passport. Listen to what he wrote. Listen to what Paul wrote. It's more than sufficient. The riches of the redeemed are beyond measure. They are infinite and limitless. I want you to notice something when you're reading your Bible. I'm almost done. You know, as you look at all of Scripture, remember I said we've been reading a part of the longest sentence in the Bible? You know, God, by comparison, I, I, I'm not going to take the time to figure it out, but I have read, I confess I have read, that, uh, that the use of periods in the Bible uh, are not nearly as many as commas, semicolons, colons, and other forms of punctuation, a period. Because you know what? God is never stopping. He's at work. What we read in Colossians said that he is bringing us unto, unto. We heard, we heard a message up at the times of refreshing that there's a process. God is in the process and he's always adding to. We're always on the move to be growing and moving forward in our faith. God, so don't put a question mark in those places where God has put something else, amen, in your life. That we are moving on, moving on, moving on, moving on. It's more than sufficient. The riches of the redeemed are beyond measure. His benefits are infinite and limitless. And your future is better than anything that was ever been in your past. Now listen, I'd never trade the worst that I ever had as a believer for the best day I ever had as a lost man. I just never would. I want you to go to Ephesians with me. Look look with me, please, in verse 17. And I'm going to be done. Verse 17. Actually, let's look at verse 16. He said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Here was his prayer request for them, and it's my prayer request for you, that the God... Of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. A revealing that you could see in, in the knowledge of him. Now watch. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Who, who, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come. Now watch. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all the things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. It's the desire of my heart that God would remove the scales from our eyes. 
that we can really see what we have in Christ. Not just here, not, not just the food on the table or the clothes on our back. Those are the little incidental things that come with him, his provision and his kindness. Some of those handfuls on purpose, brother, we talked about in Sunday school where Boaz had that man drop a few things out for Ruth. She wasn't worthy of any of it. She was a Moabitess. But he said, give her those things. Drop them out there for her. She's just in the gleanings. And those are the good things, the little things, the incidental things that sometimes they slip our gaze. They happen and we're grateful, but we don't always acknowledge. Man, this is just the goodness of God. And beyond that, beloved, that our eyes might be open to what we really possess. So how can we do that? How can we have these scales? Well, it comes down to a question. Listen, is the Lord Jesus prominent in your life or is he preeminent there's a difference in those things you know out there on the some of that trim we got some corners we got some decorative things out there and they sort of you can see them from a distance that's prominent but man when you look at the church so it's got a steeple and that is the highest thing that sort of is preeminent do you see the difference in the words Prominent, yeah, it's noticeable, but that's preeminent. Being prominent in your life, well, I'm a Christian, yeah, I, you know, I, I go to church, I read my Bible some, I forget, but is he preeminent? Is he the one you think about in the morning? Is he the one you think about when you go to bed at night? Listen, in everyone's heart, I'm going to be done, in everyone's heart there is a throne. If I had a board up here and I demonstrated, put some hearts on here, and I would draw a little chair in there and I would say that's the throne and in everyone's heart there is a throne and depending upon who's sitting on that throne if you're on the throne of your own heart then Christ is still on the cross but if Christ is on the throne of your heart preeminent then you're the one that's on the cross and that's the way it's supposed to be he needs to be on the throne of your heart we need to find our place on the cross. When we do that, we really will see things as they are. We'll really appreciate the inheritance that we have. God's not just looking for a place in your life. He's not looking for a prominent place. He doesn't want that. He deserves and demands to be preeminent. And only you can answer that question. Where is he? Who's on the throne of your heart? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the rich inheritance, even beyond, Lord, what we can imagine. We try to think about what's out there. Lord, it's just hard for us to conceive. There are just so many things about you whose ways are past finding out. But, Lord, we have your precious word, the truth. And it says it's going to be this way. And, Father, we believe it with all our hearts. And we thank you today. I pray, Father, that we might have a, Lord, a renewed appreciation of what we have. We don't think about it much. We're, we're so impacted by the frailties of this body, the time and season of life that we are in. And, Lord, yet we know that our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. God, I thank you for these precious promises. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness and faithfulness. Help us, Lord, to see that. And, Lord, if there's someone here this morning that does not know you, they're on the throne of their own heart. They are. Christ is not even in the picture. 
or they're counting on religion, something they've done, something they're, they're counting on their good deeds to outweigh their bad. I pray, Father, today you'd remove those scales from their heart that they might believe you, Lord, and be saved. Lord, have your way in the invitation this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.